Hello and welcome to Get Your Play On, the industry podcast for playwrights and theatre makers. I'm Sam Brady. And I'm Ginny Manning. So for this episode, I went to the Lowry in Salford to talk to the brilliant Claire Simmons. We had a great conversation about the Lowry's Artist Development Programme, commissioning opportunities and the fantastic Week 53 Festival. But before we play that interview, there are a couple of things we should address. So first of all, I should say that this interview was recorded before the coronavirus outbreak. So there's lots of talk about attending meetings and workshops, which, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, might sound like some kind of mythical lost world. Having said that, uh, everything that Claire says in the interview is still relevant and well worth hearing, which is why we wanted to share it with you. The second thing I wanted to bring up is that one of the things that's a bit different about the Lowry is that they don't accept scripts from writers. They're looking for artists to bring a more collaborative approach. Now, many of our listeners who are theatre makers, especially devisers, will be very familiar with this way of working. But for those of our listeners who think of themselves purely as playwrights, this means partnering up with a performer or a producer or a director and approaching the Lowry as part of a creative team. And this can be a bit daunting for some writers who perhaps are used to working alone on a script. But I don't know, Ginny, what do you think? Uh, Do you think this is something that playwrights should embrace? I think so. I mean, I I definitely wouldn't be put off. I I think that um, there's certainly plenty of opportunities it's kind of about being brave in a way, isn't it? That we don't just sit and write plays just to have words on paper. We sit and write plays because we want to be part of that whole experience. And we've got something to say to an audience. And of course, it can be just you and one other person. It doesn't have to be um, that you're part of a big creative team. And um, I think collaborating is always a winner. I've always found it really useful and inspiring and I would um, really encourage people to do so and approach the Larry about their collaborations. I suppose that's what I would say to playwrights listening to this. I would encourage you to listen to this interview with an open mind and, you know, maybe new roads will open up to you. Absolutely. Okay, so I was actually on the Artist Development Programme at the Lowry a couple of years ago, which is how I met Claire. Uh, She's a great person, we get on really well. Um, So this is me talking with Claire Simmons, Senior Producer for Artist Development at the Lowry. So so, uh, there's two things that I, I think of when I think of you, Claire. One is that you're really kind Thank you. And, um, um, and the other thing is that you're really tough. <laughs> and those two things really go together. It's like, it's like, yeah, you're really kind, but like, I'm not going to mess with you. Do you know I appreciate what I mean? that. So, yeah. so, <laughs> so I wasn't that surprised when I heard the story about when you went, you went off on maternity leave to yeah. have your second child. And yeah. it was like, we didn't make it to the hospital. We got I came out of the house um, and got in the car. And just as we were pulling away, I turned to my partner, Scott, and I said, we're not making it to the hospital. I'm going to need an ambulance because I'm going to have this baby now. And he said, we're going to drive there. The ambulance isn't going to come in time. I'll get us there. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm really genuinely going to have a baby right now. (laughs) And he was like, get in the car. I I can be a bit dramatic. So he was like, Claire, get in the car. Come on. And so, and I couldn't argue because I was having a baby. So I got in the car and then 
we I started pushing before we even got to the end of the street. So we called up and we're tearing round to try and get to the hospital, which is a good 25 minute drive away. Um, and going as fast as we can, I'm hanging out of the window trying to climb out of the car because it's really sore. And for some reason, I think it's probably not sore as long as I'm not in the car. So we're, I'm trying to climb out of the window of this moving car, bellowing. Um, and Scott's going at God knows what speed. And we ended up, like, I had him in the car. We called ahead and there was a medical team waiting for us as we pulled up. And the nurses kind of came over and they're like, hi, Claire, we're just going to have a look, see what's happening. And they kind of had a look at me and then they pushed me back into the car and they're like okay we're having the baby right now here we go and that was it out came the baby car park baby oh my god so were you in the passenger seat or just i was in the passenger seat of our tiny little green yaris (laughs) and i'd strapped myself in because you know i observed the rules so i was strapped into the front seat of my yaris trying to have a baby it was ridiculous i know i don't know how to follow that actually (laughs) but it's a very good illustration so for people outside of uh, civilization aka the northwest Mm -hmm. uh, where where is the lowry tell us a bit about the lowry what is it where is it okay so the lowry is a large art center in salford which is a city that sits next to but is not actually manchester um, but it's part of greater manchester and the lowry's got um three theaters one really big one, uh, which is 1,700 seats, called the Lyric. A middle-sized one, which is about 450 seats, called the Keys. And then a studio, which is about 140 seats. And then we've also got two art galleries, a restaurant, a bar, a cafe, um, and all kinds of other spaces as well. So it's quite a big place. So it's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, what I remember, um, they, I used to always trot out when I was involved and developed with about how many the footfall every year about yeah. how many visitors you get and it was like it's basically the most visited arts attraction outside london isn't it yeah. so it's a pretty big deal cool so um and that's important yeah that it's kind of salford but it's so people don't understand the relationship between salford and manchester two mm. cities right next to each other but there's kind of a lot of shared network between Manchester yeah. and Salford, isn't there? Geographically, there's very little in it. So, you you know, there are streets where you can stand on one side of the road and you're in Manchester, stand on the other and you're in Salford. But they're quite different places, actually, demographically and in terms of their history. So where we are in Salford, we're on Salford Quays. And in the kind of in the 80s, early 90s, Salford Quays was a really derelict area. There wasn't very much going on here at all. Before that, Salford Salford Keys had been the busiest shipping port inside England. And it's one of the biggest shipping ports in the whole country, including including coastal, um, because we were the centre of the canal network and we had all this industry happening here. And then when the bottom fell out of industry, um, basically so did the economic heart of Salford for a long time. And so uh, Salford has a really, really proud history of doing really exciting stuff in terms of, you know, basically pick your area. And there's really exciting things that have happened historically. But we hit this point where economically things were really hard. The communities were finding it very difficult to maintain work. Um, So it became a very poor area and very underserved. And then at the same time, Manchester started to kind of hit its, um, you know, its glory days. And so there was this, kind of dynamic that developed where Manchester was growing really fast and Salford just wasn't 
growing in the same way. And then Salford Keys itself was a bit of a wasteland. There wasn't much going on here. There was a lot of kind of uh, unused land. And there were, you know, there was quite a lot of kind of difficult stuff happening around here. Um, and Salford Council, visionary, uh, said that they were looking at different options for what they could do. And they thought, well, we can either build housing or we can build this enormous art center and fill it full of opera and ballet. Um, so let's do that. That's a good idea. <laughs> that just doesn't amazing. happen, actually, yeah. does it? It's just amazing. just amazing. And actually what that did is, so the Larry is a Millennium Landmark Project, which means that we were built, um, we opened in 2000, so we're hitting our 20th anniversary now. Um, when we were first built, there was very little else going on here, but now we sit right at the heart of Media City. And that means that in Sulphur Keys, we've got uh, the Larry, we've got the Imperial War Museum North, uh, the BBC relocated part of their operation up here. So we've got tons of TV studios, big digital studios, ITV are here, Granada's here, um, lots of independent filming companies and broadcast companies and radio is up here as well. The BBC Philharmonic, um, there's all kinds of stuff happening. It's this really kind of exciting place to be now. And if you look where we were, you know, even 30 years ago, it's amazing. Like the difference is amazing. So are you from around here originally? Where did you, where did you come from? I grew where did up you in, come from? <laughs> where do I come from? It's a loaded question in this society. Um, I grew up in Leeds. Oh. And then I, I've moved between Leeds and Manchester since being a student. So I came over, did a bit of uni in Manchester. Um, the course that I was doing was really, um, it was really fun. But I really wanted to write. And once I'd used up all the creative writing modules they offered, I decided that I was going to move back to Leeds and do a degree full time in creative writing instead. So then I moved back to Leeds. And the minute that I graduated, I felt I'd not really got the most out of Manchester. So I hopped on back over and moved back over here. And I've been here for the last, I don't know, maybe 15 years now, something like that. So what is artist development then, Claire? Okay. So artist development is basically. Uh, all the work that sits around helping somebody achieve their artistic potential in a professional context. So we're not talking about Amdram and we're not talking about participatory practice. We're working with people who are building their professional career as artists. But beyond that, it's a, it can be quite a loose term. It means different things in different places. So um, it might mean commissioning people to put work on or it might mean workshops or it might mean professional development or sometimes it might mean giving someone um you know their first bits of opportunities you know rehearsal space or some mentoring time or that kind of thing um at the larry we've got a very uh specific approach which is that we believe that it makes more sense to invest in the development of an artist over and above any single piece of work that artist is making because we believe that when you put the artist over and above the work, you then are able to work with the artist on things that will apply to all the different things that they might make in their careers or the things that they need to know about how the industry works that then means that the work they're making has a better chance of um, you know, touring and reaching different audiences and that kind of thing. So we have some different programs to do that through. We have one called the Artist Network, which is a really um, an open door kind of program 
where we want people to come in and access workshops and ask us for rehearsal space and come and do some little advice surgeries and that kind of thing. It's very light touch. You know, we don't ask anything of the artists on that. We, and also we hope that they will only take the things that are useful and anything that's not relevant to them, we don't expect them to engage with. So it's just kind of take what you need. Then there's our Class of 2020 programme. So it's 2020 this year. Next year, it'll be class of 2021. Um, it runs September to August. And that's about helping people who are already working in the industry to understand the industry more and their place within it. So in that, we're not doing the kind of all the basics of, you know, how to apply for funding or uh, what is marketing. But what we might be doing is running sessions on how to negotiate or how to keep yourself and your collaborators safe when you're working with difficult material or um, how to behave like a social entrepreneur. So it's those bigger questions that it's harder to find somewhere to explore. Um, then, and that runs September to August. And we also go on class trips where we go and see work and go and drink in bars afterwards and talk about what we've seen. Um, and we have certain kind of full day sessions where we'll take a really deep dive into something like how to um, make theatre in an accessible way, for example. Then we've got another programme called Developed with the Larry, which is our flagship programme. We've been running it for 10 years um, and you'll be really familiar with it, Sam, because yeah. you've been on it. But for anyone who doesn't know about it, that programme is about helping people um, to make a real step change in the way that they're working. So we offer money towards a piece of work that they're making, along with the marketing support and technical support and uh, kind of wraparound care that will go with making and also premiering that piece of work with us here at the Lowry. Alongside that, there's a separate professional development budget, which is so important. Um, that that artist or company can use to support their wider learning. So they can't use that to fill the holes in their theatre budgets. You know, if they run out of money for gels or they need to, you know, pay for a vocal coach, that money's not for that. But it might be for um, to go on courses to attend to uh, address skills gaps, or it might be so that somebody can afford to go travelling and go and see work that they wouldn't otherwise be able to see, or you know, different things like that. Um, and then we have an associate artist program, which I'm, ha I have been running our associate artist program for seven years. I'm just about to um, close it and go into some research and development to look at how we might reshape that for the future. Because the sector's changed such a long time in that time that actually what artists need now isn't the same as what they needed, you know, seven years ago. So we're looking at how we shape that for the future. Cool. Okay, great. So that's, it's really interesting because, so, yeah, so unlike, because, because the Lowry is a receiving house, isn't it? Not mm. a producing house. Yeah. And that, that's something that people say to me, like, oh, what you got, how did you get a commission from the Lowry yeah. when they're a receiving house, not a producing house? So people might not realise that there are those, those opportunities there. It's just that you've got this different approach where it's not about the individual piece of work. It's about developing the artist, but the way that you might do that might be through producing a piece of yeah. work. So it's a different sort of way for the yeah. artist to think about how they get their yeah. work on. I think One what's the... also uh, quite nice about the way that we work, or I think it's nice because, you know, it's my programme, but one of the things that I think is quite effective is that because we're a receiving house mainly, though we do do a lot of commissioning 
through artist development. So I think there's been, I think I'm onto my 65th production now wow. through this program. So we actually, we have a lot of work made in the building through that. Yeah, that it is. And then uh, we also commission a lot of work through our Week 53 festival, which happens every two years. Um, and also our learning and engagement team do, you know, they're actively making performance with young people. Um, that is high, you know, that is a professional quality and standard. So we do have work that's being initiated through here. But because we're not trying to make the work with the artists on my programme. So whereas in a in a different kind of theatre, in a say in a producing house, it might be that um, a company come in and the artistic director might, you know, be in their rehearsal rooms directing them, or their, um, you know, they might be working with the in-house set design team, or you know that kind of thing. We are more about facilitating artists and companies to make their own work themselves independently of us. So what we hope is that we provide the right kind of support so that artists and companies can bring in their own teams to create work themselves that is very much their own artistic identity that can then go on and tour. But the things that they learn with us will still apply when they're not working directly with us. So we help them look at the processes and the ways of making work Rather than making the work with them, we try and upskill them so they can do it on their own when they leave us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that was, I mean, that, that's the thing that you could think, oh, well, I haven't got a company, so I can't do it. But I, I mean, I did it. And the thing was, uh, in my case, that, yeah, so basically I had to put a company together yeah, <laughs> uh, just to, to do the programme. But um, that actually, I got so much support from the Lowry in doing that that actually that it was fine and I just learned a ton from it yeah. and I learned a lot about um, myself as a writer and as a performer um, through actually working with those other people so I think it is a really interesting way in other than the idea of that you as a writer or a theatre maker that you go away and create something and then you only get to uh, only when it's finished or near finished mm. can you bring it to a theatre yeah. yeah I think it it was really interesting for me when uh, when you and I started working together um, because working with you was quite an unusual experience in Developed With. So the thing, the thing that's really, the thing I love most about Developed With is that it's set up to, to provide specific, really bespoke support to people with questions that the industry isn't set up to answer. So, for example, at the moment, I'm working with a company on Developed With who make brilliant theatre um, and their whole model is set up over really quick touring. So one and two nights, bam, 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 around the country. Um, and their work is, you know, gorgeous, like so strong. But they, after having worked in this way for a long time, they're starting to wonder how sustainable that is. And particularly because they've all suddenly got parental caring responsibilities that they didn't have when they first set up their business model. So the work that I'll do with them, they'll make their piece of work and we'll look at, you know, their organization development and their professional development. But at the heart of our relationship is this question of how do you sustain a career as a, you know, as a touring company when the rest of your life isn't compatible with what the industry demands out of you. And 
in your case, what I found really exciting about working with you is that you you turned up to a, a surgery night that I was running and you said, hi, my name's Sam. Um, I've self-produced a national tour of my stand-up show and I think I could tell stories in a different way and I don't know how to do that, but I kind of think it might be theatre. What do I do next? And when we talked a little bit more, I realised that the national tour that you'd put together, you completely done it in this... Uh, really unusual way where you, you really didn't know that much about if you don't mind me saying about how, the, about how the industry worked I remember the time that we first had that conversation where I told you that venues will pay you to perform rather than you having to hire the spaces <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the revelation that that was at that time but what I really loved was that the the way that you wanted to tell your story and um, and this the idea for the show that you were making was so clear and the way that you talked about it was so so much like a writer but you had none of that context to draw from you didn't you didn't have any of that contextual understanding to know how people worked in the industry mm. and so our opportunity there was to say okay so you know how this works in stand up and we we see that you can make something happen let's see what happens if we give you some support to understand that context and then working with you to discover with you which things do you know and what which things don't you know and then how do we help you kind of navigate that and that was that was quite exciting but it's quite unusual for us to work with somebody who's right at the start of their yeah. journey in developed with because it does demand a lot out of you you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's quite an intensive process. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I had had a history as a performer, as a stand-up, uh -huh. so I kind of did have a bit of... Exactly. You, know, you weren't entirely new. Yeah, you knew what you were doing. I was new but, to theatre. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Absolutely not a clue. Yeah. Um, but I think there is something from that, which is... Um, so the things that I've learned from that experience yeah. is that, oh... Um, if you actually just go and talk to someone and you're really honest about where you're up to, yes. things can happen. And and I think that people find that really daunting. And, and I did. I mean, I just found out there was a surgery event. I thought, well, I've got I've got nothing to lose. Why don't I go and speak to them? And mm -hmm. I just, I didn't have a clue. And I, so I was just completely honest about, right, this is who I am. This is where I'm up to. This is what I'd like to do. And And I think... Yeah, one of the things that you picked up on was my my enthusiasm for what I wanted to do and the sense that I, I was exploring and that I was excited about exploring and those yeah. things kind of fitted. Yeah. So, I mean, would you... Yeah, do you agree with yeah, that in no, terms I completely of agree. being afraid to come and speak yeah. to people? I mean, so, particularly somewhere like the Lowry, I mean, we're quite... Uh, it's quite an imposing building. And if you don't already feel comfortable in art centres, the Lowry can be particularly intimidating. Um, for people who've never seen us, it's a very big building, very kind of glassy, lots of, uh, you know, great big high vaulting ceilings. It, there's the, it puts forward the impression of uh, being impressive, I suppose, uh, just visually. And, and also our programme is impressive and that is totally true. But when you come through the building, it can be a bit intimidating. And I do a lot of work with artists to help them understand what the opportunities are around a building like the Lowry. And quite often, some of that is just saying, actually, venues are looking for artists to work with. 
venues across the country are looking for artists to work with. We genuinely want to have these conversations. So it does make sense to reach out and, you know, be confident in saying, would it be possible to me? Are there any opportunities for me to come and talk to you about my work? Because actually it's in our interest as much as it is yours to make that connection because we're looking for, you know, new work to go into our programs or to understand how artists are working at the moment. Some of us are looking for artists to commission or work with. And we're always looking for new voices who might not already be known to us. And particularly if you're coming from a less, uh, less conventional pathway so some one of the things that I was quite interested in when I first started to talk talking to you is that you've got a lot more life experience than someone who is uh, just straight out of uni and has only been in education in uni because you you know because you're a little bit older because you'd had other careers because you'd explored other things you know talking to you about your experience of being a Buddhist monk for a while and <laughs> being a stand-up for a while and working in, you know, there's all these different things. Um, and so that made me even more interested to know what is it that you think somewhere like the Larry could offer you and what were you looking for? Um, I think the other thing that you said that I feel really strongly about is being how important it is for people to be honest about where they are and what they're looking for in the conversation. Um, the amount of conversations that I had across the industry where everybody is kind of hinting and trying to position and, you know, there's all this, there's this weird kind of shuffling, dancing thing going on where everyone's kind of trying to put themselves, uh, put forward something and being so scared of being found out. And actually, if you just say, okay, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm trying to learn. This is what, these are the resources I need. And this is what I'm asking you for. It's so much easier just to have a conversation where neither of you is wasting time. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of being blunt in those conversations. Um, because then if a venue isn't going to be the right fit for you or they don't have what you need, the person that you're talking to from that venue will more often than not know that very soon into the conversation and if you're an independent artist your time is your money and also the emotional investment that you put into trying to build these relationships with venues also comes at a real life cost and therefore you better know whether or not it's worth your investment and you don't know that unless you're being honest and they're being honest and everyone can talk freely about what might or might not work yeah, and I find that I find that really liberating, actually, mm. because knowing that you can just be yourself and be honest and that then that people will sort of re respond to that is a big relief because you yeah. don't have to like go in blagging. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody enjoys that, I don't think. No. Yeah, I think everyone just wants to be themselves. So where where is the entry point then? If you're, if you're, let's start, let's sort of walk through the whole sort of journey. Right? So okay. if you're just starting out and you want to get engaged with artist development at the Lowry, where would you start? I always say the best place to start is signing up to our artist network mailing list because there is a really good way of getting an idea of the kind of things that we offer. So what workshops we're running, when we have open calls available, which is where we say we've got an opportunity and we'd like people to send us their ideas. Um, we'll also sometimes share opportunities that other people have got. And it, and we'll also talk about the work we're doing. So it's a good way of getting, a, getting your head around what is going on here. Um, 
And then we have a quarterly scratch night called Shoots, which we'll always put open calls out for. That can be a nice way of just testing what it feels like to have your so work on our stage. So we will put a call out saying we're looking for 10-minute pieces of performance of work in progress um, for our shoot scratch night. And we're talking very low tech, uh, very light touch. We give you an hour's uh, technical rehearsal with our technicians and 250 quid. And you show 10 minutes and the audience will then uh, complete feedback in the room with you. Um, So they fill in feedback forms. And it's a lovely night. We normally have four or five different pieces. Um, And it's just about giving people who are making new work an opportunity to get it on its feet and see if it works or not. Um, It's a very light touch, very chilled and easy kind of a thing to do. Um, But what's nice about that is that the uh, because it's open call, anyone can put forward an idea. Um, And we're not judging based on your past experience or how likely we are to program that work in the future. We're just looking at what might be interesting to see right now. So then that shoots. And then for our bigger programs, Klasov has a full application process because it's a commitment because we ask people on our Klasov program to commit to coming to a monthly workshop and other activity alongside that over the course of a year. So we have a full application process, but in that we're asking you what are the questions you're asking yourself at the moment. So again, it's not really about having to prove anything. It's just about being honest about where you are right now. Um, And then if you're interested in something like developed with, because that's a bigger process, it takes longer to work out who's the right fit for that. We only offer six, up to six places a year on that program. So it's quite a significant investment. And if people are interested in developed with, we encourage them to email us, invite us to come and see their work. Every so often we'll put out an open call for a developed with slot because we know that we don't know everybody who's out there and so we encourage people to come to us sometimes by focusing on one particular slot or sometimes by meeting people through their work or through the approaches they make to us sometimes people are introduced to us by other places around the country and we're very well networked so quite often uh, friends of mine in other venues will drop me an email saying I was talking to this artist they have this question uh, that they're really trying to get their head around i wondered if this might be good for developed with for you um so that's that's interesting so you could get people who this is me banging my my drum about mm. this again but um you could get people who sit at home and they apply to develop with yeah. send you an email and all of that and they also apply to loads of comp- competitions and yeah. all sorts of other things like that um but actually, and then you get other people who have maybe have come along to events at the Lowry, who you've met, who you've mm-hmm. talked to, who you've found out who they are a bit, maybe seen a little bit of their work at shoots. Or it could be that they live in Bristol and they've gone uh, to something local in Bristol and become known in Bristol and someone in Bristol has then suggested them to you. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that thing of going out, meeting people. Yeah, it's invaluable because it is... There are so many routes into developed with, but hardly any of them involve just writing an email and being given an opportunity. I can't see a situation where that would work. What an email might do is open up a 
a line of communication but at some point there's still I'm still going to want to see work I'm still going to want to meet the people face to face or the company face to face the other thing about developed with is that those might be the entry routes to start the conversation but the conversation to um that leads to a place in developed with is not a quick process at all because the process is really the program is offering a really bespoke uh package of support it's it's absolutely critical that I understand what that artist or that company needs and whether or not the Larry is the right place to address those needs. Because somebody can have, you know, really pertinent questions or be at a really critical point in their development. But if what they need is, you know, um, strong dramaturgical support and to work with set designers, I mean, the Larry's not going to be the place for that because we don't hold those skills in-house. Um and also sometimes it's about understanding, you know, what kind of environment that person or company is going to benefit from. So there'll be a whole series of conversations. I mean, you'll know yourself. It's a, you know, it's a slow process of working out who are you, you understanding who we are, us understanding together what your questions are and whether Larry might or might not be the right place to answer those questions. And then all of that builds up to a point where we can very clearly identify both the core question of what you're trying to do and the learning objectives that might sit around that, all of the different directions in which you might want to explore that. And then once we have clarity on that, if the Larry is the right place, we then put that into a learning agreement and that's when we start the developed with process. Mm -hmm. So it is a long, you know, it's a long process because it's a big investment and a big commitment on both sides. So it, making the decision isn't a quick decision. Um, so it's important to build the relationship and it helps if you already feel confident and comfortable in knowing how to build those relationships. You can't do that if you only ever sit in your room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I guess, you know, that's part of your job actually as well as to meet people and talk yeah. to people and get to know who they are. So Absolutely. Like today, after we finished recording this podcast, I am literally... All the, for the next six hours, sitting and meeting artists, just to have coffee with people and find out what they do. That's my entire day today. I do that at least once a month, just so that people can come in and uh, say hi and tell me a bit about their work. And it might be that I can't offer them anything right now, or that I'm not the right person, or we're not the right place to get involved in what they're doing. But it might be that someone else in the industry is looking for somebody who's making exactly what they're making and I can send them that way. Or, you know, in five years time, I remember meeting them when they come in and start talking about something else. You know, it all matters, mm. even if there isn't an immediate place for it. Yeah. So, so, and who are those? I don't mean literally who are those people. <laughs> Show me, uh, just get your diary out. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, what kinds of different artists yeah. might you, you know, might you work with? Um, so we are we are a multi art form venue. So I work with people who are making theatre, dance, circus, interdisciplinary stuff, and um, people who don't like labels <laughs> as well sometimes. Um, and then in each of them, there'll be all kinds of different subgenres. So in theatre, I might be working with people who devise theatre, who make physical theatre, who. Um, yeah, the, all of all of the things that you'd imagine. We've worked with puppet makers and we've worked with uh, people who are making theatre across with dance. The only thing that we're 
quite clear about is that if you are a playwright who is only looking to write your play and then you want to pass that over to a venue to make the play, we're not that place. So in terms of theatre, we don't work directly with playwrights. We don't work on script development. And that's because we're not a producing house. And therefore, if you're going to invest your time as a playwright in building a relationship with a venue, you will not get as much out of that investment. Again, your time and the emotional labour are both real financial and well-being costs to you. So if I know that I can't offer you something that's equal to the investment you're making with us, then I don't really have any right to take your time as a playwright. And therefore, when playwrights come and approach us, I always say, have you heard about the work that's happening at Oldham Coliseum? Because it's fantastic. Do you know the people at Bolton Octagon? Because they could be brilliant for you. Have you looked at the Royal Exchange's Write a Play website? The Bruntwood is next up at this point. And always happy signposting, but we're not the place for playwrights no. directly. Um, however, if you are somebody who's making work, and also, or, you know, you want to write, but you also want to perform the play or you want to mount the play yourself with a company, then we might be the right person for you then. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, I get that. Because I think that is interesting because, you know, one of the things I suppose for playwrights to think about, well, what kind of playwright am I? Mm -hmm. You know, how much mm -hmm. do I want to get involved in that stuff? I think that's a yeah. really interesting question. Yeah, um, so you said earlier about artist development that you're kind of revisiting that in terms of mm. what do what do people need from that now? Yeah. So say a bit more about that. Okay, so I think that there's been a big change in the way that artists work, and that's partly because um, our funding structures are different from where they were ten years ago. The way that artists need to work to pull together their careers long term are now different. And what I mean by that is we've been through a decade nearly of austerity. We've um, had a situation where local authority funding is much harder to get hold of. Uh, in the, if you talk to uh, artists now who were working in the 80s, they'll talk about how uh, they developed their practice while being supported by the doll, for example. So they could claim the doll and that's how they created their financial stability so they could be an artist. That's not available to artists who are starting to build their profession now. Um, and also often artists who have been in the game quite a long time, you know, people who we in the industry might refer to as mid-career, which means, you know, they've probably been working eight or 10 years. They have their networks. They're clear about their artistic uh, vision. They, you know, they know who they are and they're making work. They're, they have a viable career, but they're still not making money. You know, the, it, nobody's in this business for the money, but it gets worse and worse. And that means that artists need to be thinking differently and they need to be working differently and they need to have a lot more skills than they used to have in order to be able to pull together work from all different directions that allows them to then, you know, pay their mortgage, feed their kids, have a pension, live like other adults in society live and have the things that people naturally want to have. Um and so I'm thinking a lot at the moment about how artist development programs can support artists to, um, to work in this kind of, this kind of, uh, way. And some of the things that I'm thinking about are how do we move away from a model where we say, 
I'm a big rich venue. I bestow on you some money. You're very lucky. Be very grateful. And I will give you some of my space. You're very lucky. Be very grateful. Do exactly what I say in the way I say it. And how do we move away from that? Because it's rubbish. It's nonsense. How do we move into a situation where artists and venues can work together as partners, where we get rid of this kind of patronage model, where um, venues are holding all of the cards? And how do we create more equal relationships? And that's really important because artists are increasingly working across a lot of different venues and holding all kinds of expertise that the venues don't have access to because they're staying in one place. I also, uh, like my friends in the industry often tease me for the way that I'm constantly imagining the apocalypse. But I do think <laughs> if you look at where we were 10 years ago in terms of the funding picture and where we are now, and then you project 10 years into the future and where we may be, because it's a great big unknown, particularly with Brexit and all those other kind of contextualizing factors. We don't know where we're going to be. But I think what we can be certain of is that the argument for public funding in the arts has not been fully won. And we are headed into a more insecure economic picture, at least in the short term and possibly in the longer term also. And therefore, we are all going to need to be able to advocate for the work that we do and why is it important. And we need to be able to make that argument in our communities um, in the places where we're based and also to the people who are making decisions about where money goes and how money is spent. And the way that artist development at the moment is set up allows artists to um, be supported in making their work but it doesn't also look at leadership development that sits alongside that so that in five or 10 years time, those artists are both creating exceptional work and also are skilled up to sit in a room full of cultural policymakers or uh, people who are holding local authority budgets and argue for the impact of arts investment, for example. So I'm starting to think what is our responsibility now to the way that the sector might develop in the future and how do I make sure that whatever I build in our deepest and most intensive artist development program, which is what our, our associate artist program does, it's very long term relationships. We provide core funding, uh, multiple year support so that artists have real stability um, and we're already working with them on business development and um, how they can connect into the bigger pictures so into those bigger questions around um, politics and society and that kind of thing. So we're already thinking in that way. But how do we go further down that path so that our associate artists are set up to play a role in this conversation that we might need to have in 10 years time? And, you know, if I'm wrong and if we're suddenly incredibly supported as an industry and, you know, the government decides that... The, cultural spending is a you know enormous priority and everybody understands that you can have the NHS and the arts and you know it's not a zero-sum game and that kind of thing then great we've also got upskilled people who are going to really enjoy and benefit from that situation but if not and if we need it I want to know that I was thinking at a time when it could make a difference about how to prepare for that situation and support the future of the sector and that's what artist development is all about it's about thinking 
you know, what is the picture for this artist or for this kind of work or for this audience or for this sector, for the whole industry? What is the picture that we are heading towards? And how do I support that journey? Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. So it's throughout the whole sort of um, cycle that you offer then, right from the very beginning of just joining the mailing list mm. right through to being an associate artist, mm-hmm. there's this sort of thread about equipping us with all of the sort of skills that we need to navigate yeah. through the industry. So how many associate artists have you got at the moment? At the moment we have four and I've been working with one of one company, Kill the Beast, for uh, seven years. And then the other three companies, who are Colour the Clouds Theatre Company, Art with Heart and Lung, uh, for four years each. Um, and they're all, they're such brilliant companies and they've all made great work. And they're all of them at a point now where they're ready to kind of graduate out of the programme that I'm running and, you know, stand really firmly and proudly in the sector on their own feet which is the best thing that ever happens in artist development is when someone says you know what Claire I really appreciate that but I just kind of I just kind of don't need it if you could just give me some cash I'd be fine um because that's great because then we could just talk about programming and and you know someone else comes in who says I need the cash but I've also got this big problem I'm trying to work out and I'm like all right that's an artist development situation come on in um but yeah all the I guess all the way through uh all of the things that we do is this idea of equipping for for the long term. Like yesterday, I was teaching at the University of Salford and I was working with uh, their MA students to help them understand the different kinds of uh, financial deals they might be offered if they are talking to a venue. And we're you know, trying to compare risk against hires and guarantees and box office splits and things. Because even when you're coming out of university, you don't necessarily have much of a picture of how the industry works or some of the things that you might need to know. And as you know, unless you're in that situation, you might not know that there's all this stuff that, it, you know, that everybody's talking about that you don't know about. So, yeah, I do a lot of thinking about that. Yeah, I really benefited from that. It was great. Um, but then, yeah, the understanding of how the industry works. I'm still trying to understand yeah. that. <laughs> I'll let you know when I'm Me too, it. mate, me too. Yeah. <laughs> So I just was thinking about, yeah, so with with those associate artists then, are there any of those who've kind of been through the whole experience from right at the beginning, joining the mailing list through the yeah. poet with to how, how is that? Yeah, so there's a company called Out With Heart who um, they, they've, they've done every single tier of our support. So they started out by... Um, answering an open call for our shoots platform and uh, they showed 20 minutes of an idea of, for a show about um one of the co-founders experience of adult the journey to adult diagnosis for ADHD and it was really funny what she was doing really sharp and clever and interesting and so We had a number of chats after they'd shown that section. So they were part of Artist Network. Then they did shoots. And we had a number of conversations. um, And that led to eventually an invitation to be part of Developed With. And so they came on to Developed With for a year. They built up that 20 minutes into a full-length show, which they then premiered with us. They then took it out on national tour. 
And we absolutely loved not only the work that they were making, but the rigour with which they were making that work and the amount of care Art With Heart show for their audiences and the way they think about how what they do on stage impacts the real lives of the people who watch their performances is just extraordinary. They're fantastic. And so um, we invited them to be part of our Associate Artist Programme, partly to support them as they took forward this show and the work that they were doing around adult ADHD and um, partly to support them as they took their place in the local theatre ecology as a really exciting and uh, impactful company with a lot to say about how we should be thinking about access and underrepresented voices and, um, and our relationship with our audiences. And then Declaration, the show that they made, finally it completed two two national tours. It's been uh, in all kinds of different settings that have allowed people to understand what the experience of ADHD is like. We've also supported them through R&D ideas for a new show that they're looking to make, with, which is a bilingual show written in English and British Sign Language, and that's for young audiences. Um, and we've supported them to look at the way that their business works, and we've supported them to... Um, you know, look at office space and all kinds of things, but they've just, they've grown so much through the program to the point where now they're, uh, you know, they were um, awarded funding directly through the Greater Manchester Combined Authority for the work that they were doing, which gave them some more financial stability for a couple of years while they delivered all these enormous projects across all of the boroughs of Manchester and Greater Manchester. Um and they're really flying and it's really exciting seeing them hitting their potential and working out who they are as a company and then really being able to make good on that. As it, yeah, it's been a great journey, but they've followed the program all the way through. And now they're at a point where really I'm learning so much more from them than they could ever learn from me now. That um, must be immensely it's, satisfying. Yeah, it's lovely. It's really exciting. And, and, and who are, tell us a bit more about who are with heart are, because when, when someone, I think before before I got more involved and knew anything about things, when somebody said a theatre company to me, I imagine like the RSC, do you know what right. I mean? I think okay. there's this, yeah. this thousands of people and all this. We're not talking about, you know, things like the RSC. And we're not talking about big companies like Neheim with lots of infrastructure. Art with Heart is two people. One is uh, more focused on performing. One is more focused on the producing side of it, but they will both work together as artistic collaborators. Both of them have an artistic voice, but that's it. And then they have, uh, they might have associates who come and do some producing with them or support them on different projects. But when it comes right down to it, it's Sarah Emmett and Rachel Morehouse, and that is the whole company. And similarly with Lung, there's, if that's three people, one person is more focused on producing, two people are more focused on writing, but it's only three people. So there's there's not a lot of infrastructure to draw on. And I find that really exciting because it means that those companies are completely in control of their own destiny and they can move more quickly. They're able to be more flexible. They can respond to opportunities more quickly because they don't... Something, somewhere like the Lowry, we're enormous and the amount of time it, it takes sometimes to get a project moving because of all of the different things we've got to consider and work out 
can be enormous. Whereas if you've got the get up and go and the, you know, the gumption and the energy to make it happen for yourself, sometimes you can move so much more quickly and do things in such a more exciting, dynamic way. And that's why I love working with that kind of company. And also, I mean, you're, although you're in Salford, you're part of that, this sort of big Manchester theatre mm. scene where, as you said, there are other theatres who probably exactly. do that better. And you you sort of work along like with those theatres, yeah. don't you, like the Royal Exchange. It's yeah. not kind of like a siloed thing. You, no. you talk to each other a lot. And... I, I absolutely love that about being based in Greater Manchester is the level of collaboration, particularly between people in my kind of area of the industry who are trying to support artists to make good work and I absolutely love the level of collaboration and support there is there I mean the the truth of it is that the better we all help each other to uh, work and the more great work is made in Greater Manchester the higher all of us are raised so actually, it, like being territorial or working in silos or being secretive about which artists we're having conversations with, all that kind of stuff that you hear about, it's completely counterproductive. It doesn't help anyone make better work. It doesn't help the artists because they feel like they've got to do this weird thing where they're you know, trying to play us off against each other or they're not telling us that they're having conversations with other venues. You know, it's just, it's not helpful. And it also contributes to this feeling of stress and anxiety that artists are carrying about, you know, how do I make the right decision? And what if I have a conversation here and that means I can never work with this place again? It's just rubbish. Mm. So, no, we're a lot more collaborative. Uh, you know, we, we go for drinks together. We go and see work together. We, you know, I might have an artist come to me who I think is phenomenal, but not right for us. And I might email one of my friends at another venue around here and say, can I introduce you to this person? Because I think you'd really like what they're thinking about and they're not right for us. And that's... It's a lovely way to work, but it's not happening as much in other areas of the country, I hear. So I think Greater Manchester is quite unusual for the level of collaboration and how openly we all support that. Um, yeah. Maybe that will change elsewhere. So you mentioned um, commissioning opportunities and Week 53. What's, what's that all about? Week 53 is our biennial festival of incredible contemporary work. So we commission astonishing work from really exciting international companies, national companies, national artists. Um, the work is challenging sometimes and provocative and fun and silly and glorious. And um, for us, it's a different kind of uh, way of working. We call it week 53 because the Larry's got a mixed economy model, which means that we're constantly balancing a commercial program, which is the financial motor of the building and our more artistically led program, which is where we're taking our creative risk. And so we'll have something like the Grinch tour in the money that at Christmas. So the money that uh, a, sh a big West End show like the Grinch makes then allows us to underwrite the risk of things like our artist development program. Um, but it means that we're constantly always balance trying to, get a balance between all these different uh, agendas that we're trying to work at the same time. With week 53, we it's essentially a stopping the clock and saying, we're just going all out on the art. And so we then can have a different approach to how we program. We commission loads of work. 
that we want to see that we think is going to be exciting and risky and challenging. Um, but it also means we can use our spaces differently. So whether that's building a stage in our scene doc or whether it's programming a piece of work that starts out for audiences of 200 people at a time at the back of our lyric theatre in the in the God seats and ends up with those 200 people on the stage of the lyric theatre themselves. We could never do that normally because that's another 1,500 seats that we have not sold that evening and we can't afford to um, take that financial hit. But every two years, we stop worrying about the money so much and just focus on what will be extraordinary. And that's what Week 53 is about. How do I get a piece of... No, not really, how do I? But how does one get a piece of work commissioned for, for that if you think, oh, I've got, I've got a piece of work that I think would be fantastic for that festival? I would always encourage anybody who's got an extraordinary idea for something they want to make, I would encourage them to get in touch with us, uh, either through our artist development at the Larry.com inbox or by just getting in touch with us through our general programming um, and letting us know about it and then we then curate it so Mm. it doesn't have to be like you've written a script or it's really developed it could just be quite an early like as long as it's a strong idea yeah um week 53 is because it's so visible and because it's so um because it's such a massive moment for us we tend to work with more established artists and companies in week 53 than in our artist development program the other reason for that is because the program itself is quite intense, which means that we don't always have the we don't have the capacity to give people the kind of attention that we give them in artist development contexts in the middle of week fifty three because you know we're programming so many different shows on top of each other, everything's very quick and frantic and not frantic but um exciting and it fast paced whereas with artist development, we take a kind of a, a slower and more careful approach because people are finding their way. But if you're a company who are, you know, a little more established and you think week 53 sounds like a great context for your work, then we would absolutely encourage you, like, send an idea in. And our curation program for that festival it runs constantly. So we will be thinking now about the curation of the next iteration of week 53. So it's always worth sending ideas through. Claire Simmons, it's been absolutely gorgeous talking to you. Thank you you. so much. Thanks, Sam. What a lovely conversation. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was great. Um, I liked particularly the fact that they develop bespoke support for people. I was really interested in the journey of Art with Heart um, and how Claire described that and how she continues to support them. And I know she continues to support you as well, doesn't she? Yeah, she's the kind of person you always feel she's got your back, Mm -hmm. you know. And I really like too that they have um, workshops and ongoing like information forums for things that are more difficult that we don't necessarily get help anywhere yeah. else with you know in terms of setting yourself up in terms of finances and everything yeah they've had some fantastic workshops there mm, and I, I liked as well the fact that she discussed how um theaters can be quite intimidating especially if they they seem to be large institutions but there will still be somebody within that building within that organization who you can speak to 
as a new theatre maker. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that struck me again, really, is just how important it is to to not be afraid and go out there and um, and meet people and book meetings with people mm. like Claire um said really in the interview um venues are looking to have relationships with artists and yeah. you know people like claire they're paid to meet up with us so we shouldn't feel afraid of making appointments and getting in there to see them and then the other thing that came out of the interview again was about just being yourself and just mm. being authentic really you know a lot of people feel under pressure to kind of uh, sell themselves and big themselves up but actually what I found with the Lowry was just by having a very honest uh, authentic conversation with them and just saying look here I am uh, I don't really know what I'm doing but mm-hmm. I've done this and I've done this and I'd like to do this and just sort of having that very straightforward conversation you can start to make an authentic connection with people and um, and a lot of good things can start to come out of that yeah and um, also I think it was interesting about week 53, the series of plays that they put on or the series of theatre pieces. If you have a really good idea and they like it, that, that she, you know, she will initiate a support programme. I know, it's such a great festival that as well. I'd love to have something on there. Well, that's the end of the episode for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, it's been a real pleasure doing it. And we'll be back next time with another guest. In the meantime, if you haven't already subscribed, please do subscribe and we'd love it if you would go to iTunes and give us a review um, because it really helps us to move up the ratings and then other people find out about the podcast and more people will listen. So it'd be great if you go to iTunes and give us a review. Um, Five stars would be amazing. Four stars would be good. Uh, No stars would be terrible. Don't do that. And um, yeah, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Well, we won't see you. That's not our podcast work, is it? (laughs) Um, But we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Until then, thanks very much for listening. See you soon. Yep, join us again and we hope that it's been useful today. Thanks very much for listening. 